Welcome back to Who the Hell is This For? And if you are listening to this, you made it through 2020. That doesn't mean that 2021 is going to be any better. So uh, please make sure to continue donating to uh, black organizations, trans organizations, and indigenous or first peoples organizations in your area. But what we want to focus on right now is what we thought about the movies of 2020. While the movie landscape did look a little bit different this year, a lot of stuff still came out. A lot of very good stuff came out. A couple not-so-good things came out. We're going to talk about the whole range of it. Jeff, Riley, how you guys doing? Well, we're in a new year now, so I'm hoping that the last year we can leave behind us. New year, new year review. Yeah. (laughs) As everyone knows... Uh, racial injustice and inequality just stops as you get into a new year. <laughs> and same with a raging pandemic. It just resets, you know? Yeah. Try again. <laughs> Redo. We're making light of it, but please continue to take these yeah. things seriously, everybody. <laughs> uh, because there are people who actually think like that. Let's get into the fun stuff, though. And let's talk about movies. Do you guys want to touch on anything before we get right into our categories? Uh, because I will read through what we are going to be talking, if not. Go ahead. Should we, tu- should we touch on our All right, uh, so today, newfound uh, DraftKings League? Give an update on that. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about DraftKings, uh, but not about the most recent round where I was so... I had an election stolen from <laughs> Stop me the count. by Jeff. <laughs> yeah. If we had just stopped the count when I was ahead by two points, I would have won $2.70. So for those who aren't aware, uh, who the hell is this for has started a Interpod NBA DraftKings League. Uh, we play Friday and Saturdays. Um, feel free very to DM hard. me. It's a dollar an entry Friday and Saturday nights. Anybody that wants to join, feel free. Um, we are by no means experts and normally the winner just tends to be the luckiest one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can't wait until I develop a Michael Jordan S gambling problem. Hashtag big jeans, <laughs> <laughs> big jeans, big bets. <laughs> All right. So tonight we are going to be, yeah, evening recording for you guys. Uh, we're going to be talking about movies you wish you saw the best non-2020 movie you watch for the first time. Best score. Best performance. Top three scenes of the year. Bottom three movies of the year. Top three movies of the year. Your most anticipated movies from 2021. Recommendations and New Year's resolutions. So with that, Riley, start us off with... What did you wish you okay. saw this My year? My number one... Are we going to round robin, or are we just going down our lists? Uh, I okay. think we'll round um, robin. So this one's kind of tough. And will every order will go Riley, this Jeff, This one's kind of tough because I, I think it's a theatrical release, so it's like I could see it, but I'm not going to, um, obviously. Um, and that's Minari. Hmm. That came out um, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, Is that with Steven Yoon? Um, It looks phenomenal, but there's just no way of seeing it. So I I don't think it was possible to see it in 2020. Yeah, I also did not see Minari. 
<clears throat> yeah, neither did I, but I would love to. Jeff, how about you? Um, you know, something I, I didn't see this year um, that I really wanted to and just kind of ran out of time was uh, Baccarat, um, which, Ty, you might have a more um, a better feel for, like, who made it and kind of what it's around. I know there's a lot of, like, John Carpenter references. It is essentially just a Brazilian Western tribute to John Carpenter. Yeah, so I ran out of time to see that one, but I know you guys are going to talk about that on the pod. Yes, and so then I uh, I think what I would most want to see, it's kind of a similar situation to Riley, currently in theaters right now, uh, but Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan looks absolutely incredible it is the it's basically a revenge movie about a woman who was assaulted and it ruined her career um hence the promising young woman aspect of it and basically she's just getting revenge on uh guys who take advantage of vulnerable women I just didn't get around to it this past week. Um, So maybe in 2021. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of cramming for this year's episode for sure. (laughs) I probably saw a good majority of the 2020 movies within the last week or two. Yeah. I I had to pack a couple in at the end, but I, I had a decent slate to work with. All right, Jeff, what is your next pick? Um, <clears throat> one that I... Um, are we doing three or are we doing two? I'm okay, going to do cool. three. Um, another one that I really wanted to see that I think has only recently been released on VOD um, is Freaky, um, which has Vince yeah. Vaughn in it, where it's like oh, a yeah. Freaky yeah. Friday, but it's a serial killer swap. Um, and the reason that I was interested in it is um, you guys know I'm a sucker for... Um, horror movies that have levity in them, like a horror comedy. Um, that one looks a, like very much up my um, alley. So whenever that one comes so either out for rent or on streaming, I'll definitely check that one out. Yeah, and I heard that one is extremely good. Nice. Uh, my second one is Sputnik. I know it's on Hulu right now. I just prioritize some other things over it. Uh, but it is a... It's a alien... Uh, in the words of our friends at A to Z Horror, uh, we go to them. Or actually, I think it's a we meet in the middle. Their three categories are aliens, they come to us, we go to them, or we meet in the middle. <laughs> um, but basically, it's an alien attack on a Russian satellite. Gotcha. Or space station. I have to assume it's a satellite if it's Sputnik. Okay. And uh, Riley, you're number three. One. Tyler, I think you saw this one. Uh, Gretel and Hansel, I wanted to see. Yeah. Never got around to it. Probably won't ever see it. It's, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and that's probably why I won't ever it's get fine. around to it, but I was running out of picks, so yeah. I'm running out of options. That's fair. All right, Jeff, your three. Um, my third one was, um, one that I also could have watched again, just ran out of time. I never caught Mank. Um, yeah. I, I will watch it before awards season. It does seem to have a lot of awards buzz. It's David Fincher, who I love. It's about Citizen Kane, which I love. 
So I definitely think I will watch it. I just didn't end up having time. And has a Reznor and Ross score. Oh, there you go. That's another reason to check it out. Yeah, and that honestly probably should be my number three. Uh, But so we're not talking all about these same things. Uh, I'm going to go with The Wolf of Snow Hollow Mm. for my third one. Um, Written, directed, and starring Jim Cummings, um, who did uh, Thunder Road that got a lot of buzz two years ago, I think, um, as a small kind of indie flick. Um, It's very, it's pretty much a straight up uh, werewolf movie, but with some very just like dark, dry humor thrown in there uh, and sounds right up my alley. Gotcha. All right. So with that out of the way, our first award category it's the best non twenty twenty watch of this year, and Riley, I'm gonna have this you one. Go first. I could not decide, so I'm going with the tie. Um, oh, thank you. It's good <laughs> to be recognized. Um, so part uh, the first part of number one, I'm going with Shin Godzilla. Um, mm. Movie was extremely my shit. Um, also extremely my shit at. Number or the second part of number one, I'm going with Reanimator. Yes, two movies I uh, will definitely be watching again. Yes. Oh my God, they're those are both fantastic. Jeff, what about you? How many are we doing? We're supposed to do one, but I had a tie. Okay, I was gonna say I was pulling up Letterbox frantically because I. Thought it was a tie for first, and I'm like, oh no, I need to get two more together here. Um, I'm gonna cheat even further. I'm gonna give you three. Um, <laughs> I saw, yeah, whatever. Go There's ahead, no give all three, Jeff. The points are made up, and nothing matters. Um, I've already talked in length on our last episode, uh, the tenant episode, which you should check out if you have not. I already talked about Thief, which was a first time watch for me this year. It's Michael Mann's <laughs> 1981. I promise that's all I'll say about it. Um, but the other two that I watched this year that I had never seen before that I really, really liked was Coherence, um, yes. which I think is still on Hulu. It's a great... Um, if it's not on Hulu, I think it's on Prime. Okay. Great multi-dimensional time travel-ish movie. Um, super low budget, but it works really well. And then I had also never seen um, the original Candyman either. That was the first time yeah. watched for me this year. Um, both fantastic. I remember you really loving that one. So I have a question for you guys as we get into my, uh, this is a bit, my first time. watch. This is a bit. (laughs) (laughs) The cadence when you start in a bit is like the same every single time. You might need to find a new way. I probably do. But my question is, do you see? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. My favorite movie I watched that was not from 2020 this year was Michael Mann's Manhunter, which is why I began to laugh when Jeff uh, brought up Thief, because that has basically been the recurring theme of the podcast now. I will say 2020 was definitely the year that we talked about Michael Mann the most. I don't know if we talked about Michael Mann oh, at for all sure. in 2019. For sure. No. I think we probably made some references to Heat, but that's probably about that's it. That's about it. All right, so into our best score. Movie with the best score of the year. All righty. Uh, I'm going with Soul. 
Um, oh. Soul will appear later on, but definitely one of the best scores, I think, of the year. Um, I'll touch more on it later. Okay. Jeff, how about you? This was, this was actually more difficult than I thought. Um, I think my pick is probably going to be Defy Bloods. Um, this is not the first time that I'll talk about this movie. Um, but both the instrumental score and then the record drops like in, in mm-hmm. this movie are fantastic. Some phenomenal um, needle drops. Right. That's needle drops. That's I was hoping, yeah. Not record drops. Thank record you. Record scratches. Um, <laughs> right. In, in, Drum in two, rolls. Two in particular. I mean, there's a ton of Marvin Gaye in this movie. Um, and there's obviously like this. If you know anything about Defy Bloods, you've probably seen the scene with them in the club. Um, to Marvin Gaye's so you got to give it up. Um, but my favorite is probably later on when it does the acapella cover of um, What's Going On. Mm-hmm. It's so um, good. It's like, I mean, it's the kind of thing where the next day, I didn't watch the movie over, but I went back and watched like the last 30 minutes. Of I, I want to watch it again. I, I watched it last night to make sure to squeeze it in for this, and I already want to revisit it. Right, so that's probably my number one pick. All right, and so I, I'm going to touch a little more on that, but I do want to shout out. Mine was, it was hard to choose between Invisible Man and Defy Bloods. Uh, Invisible Man was really fantastic. Uh, the score really built a ton of tension there. It did a lot of legwork and really carried a movie where some of the scariest stuff is not seeing anything Mm -hmm. and so much of that comes down to the music but i had to give it to defy bloods because there is there's so much in this score and i was texting you guys about last night there are elements of john williams alan silvestri uh there are there are motifs that feel like they were pulled from indiana jones and pulled from back to the future specifically like there's like a three uh, like a three note run that is all over the end of back to the future that a variation on that kept happening in the resolution of uh defy bloods and that just hit such a weird like chord with me i loved it and the whole the whole score did things like that yeah i, I think you hit the nail on the head it's it's great in so many aspects and there's also like a fair amount of silence in the movie mm-hmm. too, which I know is not the score, but juxtaposed against, you know, everything else that the score was doing and the, the music was doing. Um, I thought that the whole vision of that film in terms of the sound of the music, like really came together. Really. Definitely. Awesome. All right. So Riley, we are going to have you take us into your favorite performance of the year. Well, Trent, Speaking of the five bloods, my favorite performance hands down was Delroy Lindo who plays Paul Lights um, absolutely yeah. crushes this role. Um, he's got in, an incredible monologue um, towards the end of the movie uh, just brings it emotionally and man. Yeah. He just knocked it out of the park. Well, incredible chemistry with everybody else too. Right. As well as like portraying a guy who has gone through and is dealing with so much, um, I think the like mental distress and 
PTSD, mm-hmm. his panic attacks were so affecting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially as somebody who like struggles from panic attacks, like seeing the way it was represented on screen, just wow, really, really affected me. Yeah, and I also we we wanted to. <laughs> we'll probably never do a full episode over it, but we have a lot to say. I do think you should acknowledge just how much he does with such a complex character mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well, who's written to be very complicated and kind of a contradiction in himself. Just awesome. For sure. Jeff, how about you? Um, I think it's hard to, to pick anything but Lindo um, for that spot. Um, so I'll say that um, uh, an honorable mention for me was um, Andy Samberg in Palm Springs. Um, and this is, I think the only category that I'm probably, Oh no, I think I might have Palm Springs in another category too, but Palm Springs is a, a, a great movie. It's if, if you haven't heard, heard or seen it, I think it's on Hulu. Um, Oh man. And I'm going to mess up. Um, it's Chris, Christine Maloney. I have to pull up her name. Christine Maloney. So. Yeah. 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 Is that um, the I heard Andy Samberg. Yeah. Yeah. It's the mother from how much mother. Um, it's Andy Samberg, Chris Melody, and then J.K. Simmons is in it as well. Um, Does he make Andy Samberg play the drums? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's not a very nice guy. Mm, um, does he make Andy P- Samberg get him pictures of Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> if not, not I'm losing well, interest that. in this movie. <laughs> yeah, no. But but I think what's great about this film is that you get to see Andy Samberg. Like you, we honestly know he can act, right? And, yeah. But I think... In mm-hmm. almost everything he's been, he's always been a goofball. And he's still a goofball in this one, but you get to see him flex all the other chops that he has um, and get to see him sort of like in this spiral, especially towards like the middle and end of the film, um, that I thought was, was really fun to watch. Um, is it like the best performance ever? No, but it's pro- it was really fun to see Andy Samberg get a little bit outside of his comfort zone and do something a little bit different. So that was why it was one of my favorites from the year. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, so my list, looking over it, Delroy Lindo was on my list, and far and away, I think he takes it. But the few others I have, reviewing it, my list is all just, you know, trauma was the theme of uh, performances (laughs) this year. Uh, Because I had Tom Holland in Devil All the Time, Elizabeth Moss in Invisible Man, Delroy Lindo in The Five Bloods, and Riz Ahmed in The Sound of Metal. And all of it is just people either processing grief, trauma, some sort of tragedy. And I think that's very, in a year that basically the whole process of this year was just grieving and processing worldwide trauma. I think those performances really hit. I think they would have in any other year, but I think they really, really like connected with not just me, a lot of people this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do really want to highlight Riz Ahmed, uh, because he's just his, his whole journey in sound of metal is it's heartbreaking. It's moving. It's hopeful. He, he covers everything and you feel every bit of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And he's not the only good performance in that movie either. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe th- that takes him in also phenomenal. It's just a really fucking good movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
So with that, let's move into our top three scenes, and we'll round robin each scene. So Riley, start us off. Uh, back, <laughs> yeah, back to Delroy Lindo, um, the can't kill Paul monologue. Uh, maybe in the last act of the movie, um, where he's just talking directly into the camera, a la you know any Spike Lee movie. Um, the can't kill Paul man. He, yeah, he just. I think that's what's going to win him. If he does win an award, that's why. Yeah, I, like I said, I think <clears throat> the very next day I went back and, and watched that movie again, um, at least the the final portion, mostly just so I could see that scene again. Um, and it's it's so affecting. I think there are people who, I was reading reviews of that movie, there were a couple people in the kind of the discourse around that movie that thought the movie was a little bit heavy-handed. Um, but overall, like, I really thought that the that scene worked well and, yeah, they're speaking to camera and things like that, but it's so, like, Delroy Lindo has been in a ton of stuff. Like, you probably don't, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the movie, you probably won't even recognize the name. Mm-hmm. But Right, you'd see when, him and be like, it's that guy. Yeah. Right, right. Very you've much seen that him, guy. You've seen him as a character actor and tons of other stuff. So it was really, really cool to get him to, like, really flex his muscles in and get to do that scene. I've never seen him do anything close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to know that he had that the whole time is like, let's put him in more stuff, man. I mean, it was just amazing. Well, I think what works so well about that scene is like, by the time you reach that point in the movie, Paul has become very unlikable, but also very sympathetic. And it just, yeah. that, oh man. So to kind of carry the torch on that, I'm going to actually talk about a different scene from Defy Bloods, and it is going to be shortly before that, and it's going to be the landmine scene uh, where Jonathan Majors, and it's after uh, one of the Bloods gets blown up by a mine, and then Jonathan Majors, who is playing Paul's son, uh, Jonathan Majors you would recognize from Lovecraft Country, who he's phenomenal in that. Um, but he steps on a mine and is just frozen on the spot, not moving. And Delroy Lindo's Paul gives him that he jumps to it. He he goes like full Vietnam, full mode. Vietnam mode um, and like kind of slips into an episode, but also in a way that helps like right. really zone him in on this ties rope around him, talks just right to him. He's talking him through it, and they yank him off of the mine with rope. That whole scene was so... T- I held my breath through that entire scene because it's so, mm-hmm. so well done. And it it's not just Delroy Lindo. It's also Jonathan Majors. It's everybody in that scene. Uh, didn't realize Paul Walter Hauser was the other guy. Is, yeah. is he really? That was the other wow. landmine guy. Um, yeah, but... Just everybody all together in that scene, that's a true like ensemble scene. Mm-hmm. And that's what made that movie also really, really work. So Riley, your second. Uh second scene is gonna be from Devil All the Time. Um the the like the final Holland versus Pattinson showdown. This really helps me narrow down my list, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um both guys are just totally going for it. Um, it's like the climax of the movie. Uh, it's just awesome. It's so good. I 
I had had that on my short list, and I'll probably go with another since you did, um, since you went with that one. Yeah, God, that that scene is so good uh, with Pattinson and Tom Holland. They both really just bring their A game in that scene. Jeff, what about you? Second scene. So my second scene um, is from a movie that you guys probably... I don't think you guys have seen Time to Hunt yet, right? No. No. Okay. So Time to Hunt, um, I would almost guarantee nobody listening has probably seen this movie. It's on Netflix. It's a Korean heist movie. Um, and I, I really don't know that many, that many people have seen it. It's got Chu uh, Woi Sik... Uh, wait. Choi... Choi Woo-sik, sorry, from Parasite, the the brother, mm, is yeah. part of this crew um, that's trying to basically knock off a gambling house. Um, this is like a crumbling South Korea um, that's sort of like post-apocalyptic a little bit. And they're all trying to move to Taiwan to be able to get to like a sunny place with, you know, water in the ocean and stuff. Um, and they, they basically knock off the wrong people. And this guy named Han comes after them. And there's a portion in the middle where... Um, they're in a hospital because um, one of their buddies is hospitalized and they're trying to get out of the hospital while Han is coming in and basically like hunting them down. And no joke, it is it is maybe the most tense I have been during a movie for in maybe like the past two or three years. Well, I was and that's say, including most tense during a hospital scene. Clearly, you're forgetting about Halloween too. <laughs> one one of my other scenes is a hospital scene as well. So. <laughs> Um, that's really saying a lot yeah. for, for me to say that basically. Um, so I don't know if the whole movie is like perfect, but that itself really bumps it up in my mind and, and why it's going to be one of my later categories for one of my favorites of the year. Okay. So I want to give an honorable mention to one. My, my list is like completely up in the air now. Um, Ah, you know what? I'll give this. I'll give this one because I liked it so much. Uh, not an honorable mention anymore. Uh, recently, all this week, uh, the three of us watched Possessor uh, by Brandon Cronenberg, and I I don't know if uh, everyone listening out there, if you're familiar with uh, his dad, what his dad's known for, but uh, his dad's really well known for practical effects. I'm being obviously i'm not being that purposefully condescending david cronenberg is a master of practical special effects absolute genius one of the best to ever do it uh brandon shows that he is very much following in his father's footsteps because if you do not want spoilers for possessor skip ahead like 30 seconds all right good um there is a scene that uh the protagonist at the time uh beats the hell out of sean bean with a fire poker and <laughs> just absolutely just makes a mess of his face and and then fires his... four arrows in his chest yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then beheads him uh but no he so he uh busts out all his teeth and pops out an eye while he's beating the hell out of him with his fire poker, and it's some of the best practical work I've seen in a long time. For sure. All right, Riley, your last right. of the top three scenes. 
I didn't know what to put here, but at the same time I did. Um, I am going, this scene or scenes comes from Wonder Woman 1984. Oh my God. <laughs> and it is going to be anytime Pedro Pascal is on camera. um because he definitely took this movie um he bet how i'm trying to say here um he is like the only bright spot of this movie and that's coming from someone that actually kind of liked the movie um pedro pascal is by far the best part of the movie oh yeah it's like the only memes that are staying out from that movie either you know what i mean All right, Jeff, how about you? Oh, man, I had such a hard time picking the final one. Um, you have any honorable I, mentions? I'm going to do my, my scene, and then I'll do a quick one on honorable mention. Okay. Um, my final scene is the hospital fight in Invisible Man. That's yeah. what I was saying, speaking of hospital fights. Because um, I think it's one of the first times that it's a full combat, like multiple scenes. Um, and you can tell... Like, you can tell there's direct comparisons to the, like, fighting and upgrade um, to this movie. Yep. Like, a lot of the, the way the film, so like, much. the fight choreography is done and the way the camera cuts and the, the way that they always do, like, at least one or two people are getting their bones broken. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um, just really hit for me. There's obviously lots of really good scenes in Invisible Man, but I think the hospital fight is probably one of my favorites. And then the last one, which is a spoiler for this movie. So if you don't want a spoiler for Underwater, skip ahead <laughs> yeah. 30 seconds as well. My favorite part of Underwater, I really love Underwater, the whole thing, but it's hard to pick anything but Papa Cthulhu at the very end. <laughs> yeah. Um, Big Daddy Squid. Big Daddy Squid. Um, it's just so rare that you see a monster movie that has Cthulhu in it that actually nails it. And I thought that was probably my favorite representation on screen of that monster. 100%. They absolutely nailed that. And I I don't think I'll give Underwater as much love as it deserves through this episode. So I do want to touch on, like, that movie's great. I love it. It's It's so worth your time. We did an episode on it. Exactly. You watch the movie and then listen to it. All right, so my third one, it's weeb time, boys. <laughs> uh, I am, so. Kristen Stewart. I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like anime? I like anime uh, because this scene comes from My Hero Academia, Heroes Rising. Uh, it probably carries not as much weight if you aren't a fan of the series, um, and it's kind of a pivotal thing, but also it ends up being uh, basically non-canon by the end of the movie. So you got that going for you. Skip ahead. If you don't want spoilers for it, I think you'll be fine. But there is a scene, if you're familiar with My Hero Academia, uh, Deku's quirk is uh, one for all, uh, which can be passed from person to person. And quirks are superpowers in this universe whole lot of a uh, backstory to do here but anyway him and uh him and his like lifelong rival who like was a friend now halfway antagonist but still like a hero they are fighting against a villain things are bad and um the only way that they can do it is if they both have 
just the extreme like way like Dragon Ball Z type power levels of this one for all quirk. So Deku passes it along to uh, his rival and they both use it at the same time and it is it is incredible. It's unbelievable. It's so goddamn good. It's it's some of the best modern anime work that I've seen. I really need to start that show. I think I got like two or three episodes in and I kind of abandoned it, but I really need to watch it. Well, just hold on to that thought, Riley. What? Just hold on. Hold on to that thought. Okay. We'll come back. Okay. (laughs) Also, I wanted to give an honorable mention to the scene from sound of metal where uh, Ruben is at the school and he steps out to the playground with the kid Mm -hmm. who can't sit still Mm -hmm. Um, and he starts drumming on the slide with the kid. And then that scene and the following scene of him with the kids, like you've seen, you see that Ruben has started to embrace sign and embrace being deaf and starting to really like learn it and really just engage with this new stage of life. And he's with all these kids who are going through the same thing. It's so cathartic. It's so hopeful. It's so moving. Um, and I just, I loved it. It's awesome. Yeah, that is an amazing scene. All right. So let's let's get a little whiplash here and go to our bottom three movies of the year. Riley, start us off. All right. The worst movie I saw this year uh, was The Wrong Missy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> the Happy Madison production starring David Spade. Um, I'm always going to watch a happy Madison movie. Um, I know they're bad going into it. Um, and I mean, this one had my lowest score, but that doesn't mean I really hated it. It's just dumb and by no means a good movie, but Mm -hmm. alas, that's unfortunate. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to preface my bottom three movies with, I really I really didn't see that many things that I hated this year. Yeah. Most of the stuff that I have on my list is like it was fine or it was slowly it was mm-hmm. like slightly below average. So um I take that with a grain of salt. So I'm going to say my most controversial one first um that people will not like which is one of my three least favorite movies of the year was Borat 2. Really? Um yes. And I'm I'm going to caveat it immediately with there are some amazing pieces within Borat 2 but but I I found myself really wanting to like it as much as the first one and what I appreciate it as is obviously performance art and what it takes to get ordinary people to go in and say those things but in terms of how much I actually enjoyed sitting down and watching it I was like I think I would enjoy this better as YouTube clips like I just, yeah. I've seen, I've already seen the best parts of this movie, like already on social media. And so when I sat down to like watch the quote unquote story, there's a lot of scenes that don't involve other people that are for this fake story that I was like, I'm not actually enjoying this that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that says more about me and like where I'm at now in the, in the kind of films that I'm looking for. Um, in comparison to when I saw Borat 1, but I think it's more of a personal taste thing rather than the fact that it's actually like a bad movie personally. 
Okay. So. So my my first. Uh, all three of these movies I'm going to talk about, I have given a two and a half stars to on Letterboxd. So it could be worse, but these are all 2020 releases, and they just they are the ones that I like the least. And it's unfortunate, but that's where we are. So my first one, and this is not to disparage a first-time creator and maybe, like, first feature at least, but I watched a movie called Amulet, uh, indie horror that just wasn't really for me because it goes, it's 90 minutes and an hour of it do nothing. It's all atmosphere, like to the point of being overly atmospheric. And then the final half hour loses its mind and gets extremely weird and esoteric, which I would have liked had they done more of that through the whole movie. It just, it wasn't for me. So not to... It is a very well put together and strong movie for some people. Not for me. I did not have a good time with it. That's fair. Riley, you're number two. Uh, Number two, I think I talked about it last episode. Um, The movie Ava with Jessica Chastain. Um, This is also two and a half. Um, Just such a letdown from the cast you have to work with. Like, this movie could have been awesome, and it was just very, um, I don't know, it's just very, ma- like, uh, like a main, Bland. let's make an action movie on a weekend. Yeah. Um, it just felt very, yeah, very just kind of, we got drunk one night and threw this together <laughs> and got all these people to sign on for it. That's, uh, yeah, that makes sense. That's exactly what it seemed like. <laughs> All right, Jeff, your second. All right. Um, this movie I have um, at two stars on Letterboxd, and that is The Binge. Did you guys see The Binge this oh, year? Oh, it's the Purge parody, right? I did not. Yeah, it's the Purge parody with like high school students for like one night a year, all drugs and partying and drinking is, is legal. Um, and it's a good premise and they end up just doing like the same scene over and over and over again. Um, it's got Skylar Gassando in it, who, if I showed you a picture, you would recognize immediately. Um, he was in Booksmart, um, as like the dorky friend who keeps trying to hit on the main girl, but she's not interested. Um, and then he is apparently the voice of one of the air buddies. Um, <laughs> so he's been in, he's been in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven air buddies movies. And he's the rapping dog. He is B dog. Why are you even acting anymore? Yeah. Just sit back Secure and collect back. money off those. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's funny money. Anyways. Um, I, I thought it was a good premise and there are points, there are scenes in the movie that are actually really, really funny. Um, but in terms of like spending over two hours on it, I was like, mm, I don't know if this is my favorite. So I think the creators of that and the actors in it can all go on and do great things. Um, but this was kind of a middling one for me. Vince Vaughn is in it though, and he's pretty funny. Okay. Uh, my second is going to be Doolittle, which. Oh, yikes. <laughs> was better than I expected, but still. You know, 
probably never go out of my way to watch it again. Um, it's exactly what you expect from it. And it's so weird because there could have been a good movie in there, but they could not decide what direction they wanted to go with it. Riley, your final pick. Um, final one was just, um, so I had the two, two and a half stars and then everything went into, I think like three or three and a half. I don't remember. I, um, I have to preface it by saying I, I like this movie and I am aware that it is not structurally good. Um, and it's Wonder Woman 1984. Um, there's just too much wrong with it to ignore it. Um, and put it on the list, um, but I still like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. All right. All right. My final worst movie of the year is gonna be Wonder Woman 80, 1984 or Wonder Woman eighty four, whatever the fuck it is. Um, I gave this one and a half stars on Letterboxd, which is just above the worst movie I saw this year, which is Wild Wild West. And I think they have a lot in common in terms of a property that had existed before that a lot of people loved and they put a modern actor or actress in it and it sucked ass. Um, (laughs) uh, I think the biggest problems with this movie are one, like the plot mechanics of this movie are ridiculous. I think we talked about this a little bit already, so I don't want to get into it too much. But just so many of these things are like these cliches that could have been funny if you made fun of them in like an 80s way. Like, look at all these cliches that were like turning on their head, but it just used them as they've existed in previous movies. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to say about this stuff. And I think it could have been a very, it could have been a very meta film. And not everything needs to be like a Thor Ragnarok, right? Mm -hmm. But you could have done a Thor Ragnarok version of Wonder Woman and it, it would have fit what this movie was trying to go for with like the eighties mm-hmm. feel. And it just really didn't land. Also, there's like almost no eighties components to it. Like really, no. like there's like, there's the mall scene at the beginning, which um, I think it was, I think it was Brendan from debates on tab that talked about this, that basically said that it felt like they made the entire movie and then realized Gal Gadot wasn't in it enough and <laughs> went back and did the mall scene later. Um, and I felt like that was dead on. So I, th- I think that was Brennan. Credit to Brennan if that was uh, your pick. Or, or they just... did that first, and then uh, Gal Gadot started coming out with some problematic things, and they said, we need to put her in this movie less. Right. <laughs> I think it can really be summed with, which is the very first thing I put in my review, which is, too long, did not read. I understand how Gal Gadot thought the Imagine video was a good idea. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what this movie makes me think of. <laughs> All right, so my final one. I did not see Wonder Woman 1984. And potentially, this has to do with how much I was looking forward to this movie. Or just how wrong so many parts of this movie sat with me. But one of my least favorite of the year is Tenet. It's, wow. I, I hated Hell the yeah. first hour and a half. <laughs> so much so the first hour and a half is the worst time i had watching a movie this entire year and wow i liked the last hour but it's the the first 90 minutes are so bad right and i mean i mean that's 90 minutes that's a whole other that's movie. an entire movie's worth 
we did get a reply. I meant to tell you this, Ty. We did get a reply from Carson. Oh, I thought you were um, going to say from views. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, he wants to fight us. Yeah, God, Carson I would won. love to do that. Yeah, Carson said it's got a good a thing. Chin. It's a good thing Garrett hasn't heard this yet because um, there's a lot of Nolan bashing. So I did, <laughs> I did throw out. It is the the West, or sorry, the worst and the best pieces of Nolan. But if you want to fight somebody, you're probably fighting Ty on this one. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the it's the wild wild west, Christopher Nolan. This is the movie <laughs> that made me realize I don't like Christopher Nolan anymore. <laughs> oh, let's let's pull out of this nosedive though, guys. Your top three movies of the year. Riley, start us off. Do we want to go in reverse order? That's what I was thinking. Three, two, okay. one. Uh, number three, I have Invisible Man. Um, I don't remember a ton about this movie because it came out so early in 2020. Um, but man, what a what a way that they could build, you know, uh, suspense and a, like a sense of thrill without even having the threat on screen. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Jeff, your number three. That is also my number three is Invisible Man. Um, I really, really dug this movie. I think it is destined to be a rewatch. Um, I thought, even when I saw it the first time, I thought this is immediately going to be a very rewatchable movie due to the action and the tension. So looking forward to revisiting that one as well. Hell yeah. And we'll we'll talk more about it in a little bit. Uh, my number three I'm going to give a couple honorable mentions. Uh, Spike Lee's American Utopia, which is a concert film uh, for David Byrne um, of the Talking Heads. Uh, This is actually a show, Jeff, that we saw together in Austin at ACL with no idea that this was coming. And this was released on HBO Max this year. Unbelievable. It is so uplifting. It's moving. It addresses issues in our country, but also in a very David Byrne way. If you're familiar with Talking Heads and David Byrne, he doesn't shy away from those things, but he also is very good at letting people who are a better voice to talk about that talk about it. And he just, he's an incredibly genuine person, and all of that shows. And it's Talking Heads music you love, it's David Byrne solo stuff, it's just, it's what you expect. Um, So that's an honorable mention. Also another honorable mention to Sound of Metal, uh, which I talked about earlier, and I, oh man, okay, you know what? Honorable mention to Devil All the Time. I'm I'm dropping it down, uh, and I'm cycling in something else. <clears throat> but so for my number three is My Hero Academia: Heroes Rising, because it it rules. <laughs> it it does what I want out of an anime. I had so much fun watching it. Uh, We aren't doing favorite movie theater experience of the year uh, this year due to everything that happened, but this was the last movie I saw in theaters uh, before COVID. Uh, And it, like, just sitting in the theater, crushing some PBRs and eating uh, buffalo cauliflower and just, like, getting to watch anime on the big screen, it was great. I had a great time, and this movie... It's just fun. It's fun anime. Some some of the best anime stuff I've seen, as I talked about in the uh, in the top three scenes of the year. So Riley, your number two. 
number two, and depending on where this falls for you guys, we if it falls later, we can just talk about it later. Um, I'm just going to throw out number two is Defive Bloods. Um, if it falls later for you guys, let's just talk about it then. Defy Bloods is my number one. Okay. And so we'll, Defy we'll Bloods is my number two as well. Okay. So we will save that for when we yep. come back around to Jeff's number one. Yes. Jeff, you're number two. Okay. Um, my number two is Time to Hunt. Um, All right. Which says a lot that it's a movie no one has seen and no one is talking about that it's in my top three. But I had so much fun watching this movie. I really, really did. I can't recommend it enough. Um, I think this is the year I already watched a little bit this year. I think 2021 is a year that I just get fully into like Korean crime thrillers. It's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole genre that I've heard people talk about a lot. Jeff's, next like, time we see Jeff like in person, like post vaccine, he's going to have like the small rectangle sunglasses on and like a shin length full zip coat. 2021 year in review episode. Jeff is done is doing it in Korean. <laughs> <laughs> I am so here for this rebrand. I can't. Yeah, I can't explain it. But the the Korean crime thriller is a fucking great genre. Yeah. And I feel like I've kind of seen every heist movie. So now <laughs> I need to like go into a whole other like Korean branch cinema where there's gonna be in general more. just rules, man. Yeah, I love Korean cinema. It's good stuff. So, Riley, your number one of the year. Uh, number one for me was Soul. Um, I think, I mean, in terms of Pixar, I think it's up there with the greats, you know, Up and Coco, wow. maybe even higher than those. I think that's a, up. I think that just comes down to personal preference. Um, one thing that this film reminded me of and this is something maybe I need to make. I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions, but. Um, well, too bad we're doing them. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is just something. It always re- it reminded me of this. And it's it's one of those things. Anytime I hear jazz music, like in this movie, I'm like, God, I really dig jazz music. Why don't I listen to it more? And it just kind of floats. Away, that thought just kind of floats away. So I think this year I'm going to actually try to listen to more. Yeah, this is a year we all get extremely into jazz music. <laughs> jazz music and Korean crime dramas. Let's go. Incredibly niche podcast now. <laughs> I mean, we were already getting pretty granular. We might as well just steer into it. Hey, I, I doubt we have a lot of competition. That's true. Hook him with the Michael Mann and then pull him in for the Korean jazz. Let's go. We need to talk to Apple about why there is not a jazz and Korean heist chart on their podcast. Put us at number one. All right, Jeff, your number one pick. So my number one is Defy Bloods. Um, And I think now's as great a time to talk about it as any. Um, We have talked about, you know, there are definitely reviews that we want to highlight about this movie um, that we'll post underneath kind of our overall um, picks for this year. Um, but this movie is hands down the most affecting movie I watched all year. Um, yeah. It's not only got the best score, it not only has the best performance in Del Rolindo, um, but it's got a great ensemble. It's incredibly entertaining. It has a message. It has great music. It's it's everything you're looking for in a film. And I will say, I give very few things five stars 
on Letterboxd, and this is a five star. I movie think for I me. need to bump it up to a five star. The more I'm, I think about it, I can't decide. There, like, I think there were just like twenty to twenty five minutes at the beginning that I had difficulty like meshing that I think were just a little messy. But once mm-hmm. this found its footing and it finds it quickly, it goes, man. It's so yeah. good because I have it sitting at four and a half, but it's it's awesome. Themes we talk about a lot on the podcast um, that this movie really touches on um, American imperialism and just human greed, which especially like American greed, as well as survival and people doing what they have to to protect themselves and do well for themselves and do right by their families. It's very complex. It's layered. It does so much. And we're absolutely the wrong guys to break it down and really get into the themes of it. But read black writers and reviewers who talk about this movie, because those are the voices that this movie is made to be heard from. Like that's, that's who you need to be listening to right now. So we will, you know, because this is one of our highest moves this year, mm-hmm. we will go ahead and highlight some of those. Um, I know Anya Stanley, Bookish, Bookish Plinko, uh, who's one of our favorite writers on the pod, um, has done not only her own review, but also has done a thread that we'll go ahead and retweet as part of um, this week's episode. Yeah, it's there. There is so many good perspectives on this movie out there. Um, and please read and really engage with what is brought to the table there. So my top one is Invisible Man. It's such a well-crafted horror movie. It's such a good way to kick off the reboot of Universal Monsters. Give Lee 1L the keys to the kingdom. Make him the John Favreau of um, the Universal Monsters. I can't wait for his Wolfman with Ryan Gosling. That's going to be unbelievable. Uh, not only do, is this movie a good horror movie... It also, as I talked about with um, my honorable mention in performances, Elizabeth Moss as um, somebody processing trauma and uh, working through that uh, while also being gaslit by her still alive, pretending to be dead husband. Um, It's insane. It's just the whole movie is phenomenal. So, and... Do you guys have anything else to add on Invisible Man? Or are we ready to go into our 2021 most anticipated? Yeah, let's, let's... I have one, oh, good. one quick thing. We didn't even talk about with Defy Bloods that um, it was one of Chadwick Boseman's last performances. That's right. And he, he absolutely killed it. One of the other ones, which is going to come up in my recommendations to you guys, um, he was also in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, in which he's also phenomenal. Um, so definitely check both of those out, um, if only to kind of pay tribute and, and see kind of the final performances of, of Chadwick. Both just dynamite, dynamite performances. I'm really glad that he kind of got to go out um, with two fantastic performances. Yeah, big agree on that. Especially his his performance in, and when you watch it, you understand his performance in The Five Bloods is so just, it's almost chilling. It's very, very good. And now, let's move into our most anticipated for 2021. Riley, start us off. All right. Um, number one is 
a movie that we are reprising our role in as podcasters, um, as long as well as many other actors, and that's Spider-Man Three, the second <laughs> Spider-Man Three Two, the third Spider-Man again, three um, Spider-Man and a baby. <laughs> It's it. I mean, the baby is number one for me. It's sitting at number one for me solely off the fact that Tobey Maguire may appear in it. Yeah. I mean, already bringing back Molina and Willem Dafoe, which I think is a move just to get them on the same set again. um, If the behind the scenes videos from Spider-Man Two or anything to go (laughs) off of. (laughs) Jeff, what about you? Mine number one, anticipated next year, actually I think comes out in February, um, and that's Judas and the Black Messiah, um, which is the Fred Hampton Black Panther movie. Um, It is, I was so amped up to see that trailer. Um, I love Lakeith Seinfeld. I like, um, (laughs) I think I said Seinfeld. (laughs) Lakeith Seinfeld. (laughs) What's the deal with... (laughs) Corporate greed and turning people into horses. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just That's a if you have not seen the trailer, thought. yeah, it's okay. <laughs> if you haven't seen the trailer, it is so amazing. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Not only just for the subject matter, I think the Fred Hampton story is a vastly undercovered story. So I'm really excited for people to kind of get that history in general and get to see like who the black Panthers actually were um, and not who everybody kind of demonized them to be. And so I think that will be an incredible movie that I'm really looking forward to. I think it comes out. I'm pretty sure it's a Warner brothers movie. So I think it's going to come out on HBO in February. So not that long for that one to come out. Make sure if you watch it on HBO that you support your local independent theater. Correct. Um, Correct. But Find a way to support them. You can still watch it on HBO, but throw some cash their way. Do something to support them. Because I will kind of be in the same boat with my top one of next year. It's Dune. It was my top one of this year. (laughs) And that's just going to go ahead and carry over because it's an incredible sci-fi story. I think it will translate to screen incredibly well. It's done by uh, Villanueva, who... Gave us Blade Runner 2049, which is unbelievably good sci-fi. Riley, you're number two. Uh, number two, I'm going with Shang-Chi. Oh. Um, I feel like this movie's not getting enough hype. Um, I think this movie's going to fucking rule. Uh, I think that test footage was amazing. I Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to... I mean, you got the Marvel aspect along with a martial arts movie... I think it is. I think it's just going to be awesome. Yeah. Big agree. Jeff, what about you? Um, I think Dune is also on my list. Um, I think that's number three for me. Um, the Little Things is another movie that I'm really, really looking forward to for next year. That's the Denzel Washington, yes. yeah, like, um, and Jared Leto serial killer movie. Um, it looks exactly like um zodiac yeah you know what i mean it's just denzel washington in it and so i'm i'm really looking forward to that one that's hitting all my buttons for sure so hopefully they land it um, and it actually is good as i talked about uh in our text group when you sent the trailer 
it's hard for me to watch a movie like that with Rami Malek in it and not think that he's secretly involved with the serial killer as well. <laughs> Who, you may be right. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. Rami Malek is the Zodiac killer, I think, is what we're getting at. You think Ted Cruz will show up? <laughs> <laughs> Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz is come Malek's on the pod father. to talk about. Ted Cruz, come on the pod to talk about Zodiac. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine if we got Ted Cruz on the oh podcast? <laughs> How quickly he would be like fumbling for the log off button. I think I think don't we could click play any the links con. he sends you. By the way, I, I think we could play the long con. I think we could keep him on for the whole episode. <laughs> I think if we I think if we shoot it too early, I think it's you know what I mean. It's going to ruin it. So. Mm, yes, he's familiar with that as well. <laughs> um. <laughs> My second one. Um, we have we talked about uh, Wendigo movies and how there is a severe mm-hmm. lack of them. Yeah, boys, I am so ready for Antlers, which was also on my oh, most anticipated yeah. of this year, <laughs> and it got pushed. This is gonna rule the the short story that it's based off of is super creepy. It's super well written, and it's. I'm so excited for what we have been shown in the trailer and the way they're going to take it in the movie. Oh my god, I thought of another one that got pushed. I won't I won't do it though. Just know um, I am super pumped for Green Knight to finally come out. Yeah, that, that, that yeah, same. Since right. you already talked about Dune, I have one more. Okay. Or Riley, no, it's Riley's third, yeah, we yeah, we yeah. we got more. My third one's another one that got pushed as well. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. It's going to be a giant blockbuster, and it's going to be awesome. Actually, I'm pretty excited and to see how a, well, I'll call it a 2020 movie, uh, how a 2020 Top Gun is shot. I think they're going to get a lot mm-hmm. of cool, use a lot of cool techniques in that. Um, I'm just super excited for it. Yeah. All right, my final one that hopefully will come out in 2021 is The French Dispatch. Okay, that's I'm the, glad you covered it because that helps yeah. me out. <laughs> um, that's the Wes Anderson one. I don't really know what it's about. There's a paper. Paper in France. Right. Um, the, I actually uh, think it's a... It's a Kansas-based paper. There you go. Is the whole thing. And right. it's it's an anthology of three different stories that they cover. Um, nice. And one of them, I believe, is um, Benicio del Toro as a psychopath, who is also a painter. I think, if I remember the trailer correctly, because yes, an artist it sentenced to life imprisonment, student riots, and a kidnapping resolved by a chef. That's it. So I'm yes. Guessing, yeah. Yeah, it looks phenomenal. It's going to be fun. It's going to be very Wes Anderson. It could yeah, potentially be need, peak Wes Anderson. We may we may need some Wes Anderson pretty soon. I think I, that would be kind of a balm over the yeah. <laughs> burns we've suffered this year. Yeah. And my number three is going to be... Oh, there's a three in this movie. Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, man. I love the Conjuring series so much. The spinoffs are okay whatever bad they're varying degrees of quality but the mainline conjuring movies are fantastic modern popcorn horror 
They, the craft has been perfected. This is what a popcorn horror movie should be. Especially Conjuring 1. Conjuring 2 does the same thing, then gets more creative. I can't wait to see Conjuring 3. It's going to be awesome. Um, speaking of those spinoffs, when I was looking at movies on Letterboxd that come out in 2021, apparently they're doing a Nun 2. No. No, thank you. I, wait, I'm not surprised. Keep it, but keep it. I'm just curious where that falls in, like, what story does she have left? Because I feel like the end of none of the nun yeah, they puts us right into up. the. Yeah, I mean, it goes right into the Conjuring. So they're gonna do another prequel to the nun. We Unless have to they go do, back. I don't know the nun too. Back in the habit, <laughs> <laughs> you get there and they just play a sister act. <laughs> It's just Man, what an awesome act. movie, though. I love something a lot of people don't know about me is I fucking stand Sister Act Two. <laughs> we should do an episode on that. Would it. Be I would be awesome. I would love that. Okay, with that out of the way, with our most anticipated boys, it is time for recommendations. Give the we... other guys something okay. else to watch. They can be the same thing for each person. They can be something different for them both. Okay. Um, Does okay. it have to be 2020? No. No, no I'm not. doing whatever. Um, Jeff, I have two for you, mainly because they're on my same page on Letterboxd. Um, one of them is on your watch list. Um, let me check the other one. Um, let's see. It is on, both are on your watch list, actually. Um, it nice. is going to be 13 Assassins. Yes! Um, just keep in mind, just tell your, just tell yourself in the first hour of the movie, there's a payoff, there's a payoff, there's a payoff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it is not like Tenet. It, the, the building means something. It works. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and then the other one is juice, uh, the Tupac movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoy that movie. Um, so I would say 13 assassins first and then juice. Um, cause nice. I don't know where juice is actually streaming. It's probably a rentable one, but yeah. And then Ty, since you're practically impossible, um, <laughs> what do you get? The man that has everything, right? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go, let me see if you've seen Except it. Except for okay. another copy of Prince of Darkness. <laughs> I think you should watch a little movie called Prince of Darkness. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to go with, because I think, oh, maybe it hasn't yet. I know the show got put on HBO. Oh, no, it is. It is. Okay, it's just not updated on Letterboxd. Um, I'm going to recommend Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Have you seen that? I have not. Okay. Yeah. Did you, were you a fan of the animated series? Yes, I was. Like like not Batman Beyond, but the Batman animated series. Yes. Okay. The Kevin Conroy Batman. Yes. So definitely watch the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker then. That's my recommendation for you. Fantastic. All right, Jeff, you're up. All right. Um, you know, I did not check ahead of time if you guys had seen these or not. That's okay. Um, so my pick for Ty is kind of cheating because Ty told me today he hadn't seen this. 
So my pick is Ty. You have to see the first Mission Impossible. Um, Just hold. Do you have anything else you can give me? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. If that not, you definitely that's okay. Seen. Have you seen um, Layer Cake? You know what? I haven't. Oh, okay. So that's actually in the library. Okay. You would love that. It's it's Daniel Craig getting to be Daniel Craig without having to be Bond. I um, love it. And Dumbledore is a bad guy. Ooh. So Michael Gambon doesn't have a beard. Oh, that's weird. No, I refuse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and let's see for Riley. Riley, did you ever see um, Haywire? I don't believe so. Okay, so Haywire is a 2011 um, Steven Soderbergh film. Um, the only flaw is it has Gina Carano as the main character. Uh. Um, but listen to this cast. Gina Carano, Ewan McGregor, Michael Fassbender, Bill Paxton, Channing oh, Tatum, oh, man. Antonio Bill Banderas. Paxton? Wait a minute. Michael Douglas. Oh, okay. yeah, I'm in. You buried this the is, lead there, Jeff. That's the cast. So basically, it's a, a highly trained operative that gets basically betrayed. Ewan McGregor is the one that double crosses her, and then she basically comes back and tries to take out her whole crew. Um, it has really, really good fight choreography, but it has a good backing story to go with oh, it. Oh, I'm all in. Um, and so I, I actually like love this movie. Right now, I have it at four and a half on Letterboxd. I might want to rewatch it and see if it was just kind of first check to see if I would go back to four. But I mean, it's it's really good. It's on Netflix. I would definitely check it out. Okay. Okay. Let's add it. I to mean, the watch that's list. his recommendation, but I'll say okay as well. <laughs> <laughs> now for you guys, remember how I said to hold on. This is for both of you. At some point in this year, I want you both to watch the first season of My Hero Academia. Deal. You can't give us an entire TV show. Well, I could give you the movie, but I feel like it's throwing you in the deep end. <laughs> but all I'm saying is I highly recommend you start it and just give it a shot. Because if you get started and it clicks with you, you're just going to burn through the rest of it. Now, Riley. Yes. This I have talked about as one of the meaner popcorn horror movies that came out recently. Uh, this has come out in the past couple of years. I'm giving you The Prodigy with the uh, little kid from It that plays Georgie. Oh, 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 okay, yeah. I know which movie you're talking about. I think you're going to love this one because it 2019. gets so mean. And it is... It's just... I the more I thought about this movie afterwards, the more I enjoyed it, and I think it'll really land for you. Now, Jeff, it's a little little atmospheric, a little spacey. I'm gonna give you the Vast of Night that is on Amazon Prime. Is that the one where they hear the radio? Yes, it is the radio movie. So, oh, yeah, with Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna disappoint you. You watched it and tell didn't you, enjoy it. No, I've I've seen half of it. Oh. I I didn't even finish it. Wow, that is a huge <laughs> that, disappointment. That is crushing. <laughs> and for for that, Jeffrey, 
for your transgressions, I apologize. But there's a little flick. Artemis Fowl. A little flick from 2008, I believe. You're one of my more cultured friends, I think, right? You like to dabble in foreign cinema. And what's classier than French cinema? Oh, my God. Jeffrey, it's time to watch Martyrs. Jesus Christ. I'll put it on the list. All right. (laughs) All right. So let's move into our resolutions. Is any self-respecting screaming service showing martyrs? Actually, martyrs may be impossible to find right now. (laughs) We'll see. We'll figure it out. So, Riley, start us off with your movie resolutions. Was that on the list? That was not on the list, you said. That was a recent addition. Oh. Uh, somebody <laughs> else know. go, because I, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I got nothing for that. Jeff, um, hit me up. Yeah, I've got some. So, I don't know if you guys kept the pro version of Letterboxd. For yes. a second year, okay. So, um, in the stats, if you go into like your life in film, it'll go through and show you like your highest rated decades mm-hmm. and things like that. And so, um, my highest rated decade, my guess is it's because I've only seen the good stuff from this decade. But my highest rated decade is the 1970s. Same. Um, uh, probably because it's got stuff like Star Wars, Alien, Apocalypse mm-hmm. Now. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, you know what I mean? Like Halloween. Yeah. Dog Day Afternoon. So my my goal is to try to find um, more things from the 60s and 70s and get a feel for if those are actually my top decades or if it's just kind of selective. Um, my other kind of cheat is that if you go down, it'll also give you your list progress. So it'll show you like uh, your letterbox, you know, the top 250 movies that people have rated or um, stuff like that. So I'm going to try to work through some of those lists um, just because those are a lot of films that I haven't seen before. Fantastic. I, I, I said to hold on to this earlier as well. I made the resolution, I've only seen Mission Impossible Fallout. I'm going to watch <laughs> the rest of the Mission Impossible series. And then I am also... My, this is going to play into the bigger one. I'm going to tackle a lot of, uh, and this is a shout out to our friends at uh, Nightmare Junkhead, uh, because Greg recently did the same thing over the past year. I'm going to tackle a lot of my I seem that's, uh, because there are so many movies that I can talk, I can fake my way through a conversation, especially things that had like Oscar buzz, things like that, that I just haven't seen and. I'm going to start that off with uh, sometime soon. I'm going to start that off with Whiplash. There you go. Hell yeah. Finally. And this might be motivated because of the uh, mute city set over the final scene of Whiplash. (laughs) But, you know, who's to say why we do the things we do? Anyway, thank you all for listening Thank you for supporting us over the past year, even when we've uh, been in our mid-season breaks. 
thank you for watching movies. Support your local theater, support each other, and take care of yourself. Have a good 2021, and this has been another episode of Who the Hell is This For?